the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome along. This is the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. This is episode 328 for the week commencing Monday the 20th of April 2015. My name is Edwin Herman here in the studio in Wellington, New Zealand and in the same city as me but over a Skype connection I'm joined by my co-host Brett King. Hello. Greetings and good morning to you Brett. Hello. <laughs> yeah, well, in fairness, you did say hello already. So, uh, <laughs> so look, you know, I thought we'd start just by looking at the last three, what, what we've done over the last 327 episodes. And I don't mean going over the stories. I just mean looking at some of the statistics. Do you realize that over 327 episodes, we have produced 183 hours of audio? Now, there's 168 in a week. So that's so if you listened to all of our shows back to back, you could listen to us for an entire week. And some 15 hours on top of that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> huh. The average episode length, if you divide that, uh, you get 34 minutes. Now, we've covered a lot of topics as well. We have, because we, we keep track of this, we've uh, covered 1,000 879 topics. <laughs> How many of those were the same topic that we'd just not remembered that we'd covered before? Well, there might be, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There might be some repeats in there. <laughs> but still, you know, it's, it's a lot. Now, that works out to be an average number of uh, topics per episode of six and the uh, average duration that we talk about each topic, an average of six minutes. Wow. There are your stats. Huh. Yeah, and we're still New Zealand's longest-running tech podcast by, I think, a good couple of years, I think. <laughs> and as long as we keep yattering <laughs> for half an hour a week, we will continue to be. Because nobody can start before us now. Exactly. Exa- you're, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's, you hold on to the title forever. <laughs> As well, and you know, until you give up, obviously. But whilst you're going, you're you're right, Brett. No one can start before us unless they have a time machine. Indeed, and if they do, we might talk about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that'd be a feature on our on our show. Mm. Well, time machines aside, let's get into the tech news of the week. Uh, kicking off with this finger. This is kind of cool. A fingernail sized trackpad and in fact it's not just fingernail sized it's one you wear on your finger or on you know over your fingernail i know i i read it and i thought wow that is weird what were they you know what narcotic entities were flowing through their bloodstream for them to come up with this sort <laughs> of idea um 
because its usage examples are incredibly limited. And I was looking at some of their, you know, usage scenarios for swipes and things. And one of their usage scenarios is, for instance, if you're cooking and you have both of your hands busy. So both of your hands are occupied and you need to scroll something. Maybe it's, you know, scroll your your computer so you can see the next page of your uh, recipe or whatever. If you are holding things in your hands, you have no part of your hand left to attempt to gesture on your thumb. (laughs) Your thumb is quite an integral part in the gripping of things. And usually in the gripping of things, it puts your thumb quite a distance away from other things. Yeah, now, now he, maybe you right. could do it if you were holding a knife or something in your hand and attempting to swipe around the knife with your fingers. But I have a better idea in those scenarios. It's called put the knife down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other ones might be you've got other, you know, you're holding onto a bowl or something and you're moving it and you need to swipe. And my, you know, and... then it's impossible to get your fingers around anything to touch your thumb or to touch your finger if this thing is on your finger or wherever, whatever part of your nailage you have put it on. Maybe you've put it on your toes because your toes will be free while you've got both of your hands activated and probably more usable than trying to carry a bowl and swipe something with your fingers. All right, now you're being facetious. Also, (laughs) one of their swipe gestures is a swipe gesture that swipes along your thumb so that the pad's on your thumb and you swipe with multiple fingers down the, the pad. Most things that are mounted to the tip of your thumb, when you're swiping down and away, that's going to knock the thing off and into your batter that's sitting in the bowl that you're holding. All right. So you're not convinced. That's what you're I think me. it's cool that they've made a tiny, tiny usable trackpad. I think their scenarios of mounting it on your thumb and it being a usable thing when you've got your hands busy is something that came up out of a session smoking wacky backy. But it's still cool technology and yeah. it's still cool miniaturization putting all of that because this is not just the trackpad it's the trackpad the microcontroller and the battery all yeah. in a yeah. thing which which fits on your thumb but Brett there must be some use cases that you can agree are, are valid like if you're a mechanic and you're holding uh, I don't know you're in the engine you're holding a hose to a, another bit and you you know or, or you're just holding something too you're not necessarily gripping it with great force but you're hey, just holding Roy, something too scroll the page will ya well, yeah, okay, you could call out, but if it, if you're a, if it's or, just yourself at home in the garage, Cortana, scroll the page. Oh, that's like Siri. Yeah, all right, gotcha. <laughs> um, I can see so many more usage examples for so many other things, like putting down what is occupying your hands, than attempting to do some um, digital acrobatics to be able to swipe this thumb thing. Also. In your scenario, let's take your mechanic scenario, right? Your thumb will be touching a lot of stuff in a mechanic scenario, getting covered in a lot of stuff. That stuff will be getting on your thumb, on your thumb trackpad. Now, if it is a conductive, you know, um, material, capacitive material, it's going to activate your thumb pad. What if you're, you know, I cannot see a usage example where it is that as a thumb-mounted thing is going to be better 
in any way or more efficient in any way than putting down what you're currently using or voice recognition. <laughs> mm. I look. I, I agree that voice recognition see, is a lot more prominent. A comment now, but on I, that no, story I know, I made still way see. more sense, and that was okay, go instead on. of having it as a device that is mounted to your thumb or a nail that you have to then swipe, have it as something which is worn on your finger and turns anything into a touch surface, so you can swipe your finger on anything. So you know, yeah, that would be cool. Inverting it, turning any finger into a mouse. Yeah, on yeah, any surface. Yep, that would be good. Now that, that would be cool. That would be incredibly useful and have way more usage scenarios than this. Um, of course, it would also be bad in all of those situations where your hands are occupied because you'd be constantly swiping things while you're moving the bowl around. Yeah. But either way, mm. you regale me with your attempts to finding a way where this will be a useful device and I will continue with my... <laughs> Telling you well, how there are better things and more efficient things to do. <laughs> well, look, it's uh, look, I can't. But it-, <laughs> it is very cool technology, and places like MIT come up with these weird and wacky things all the time. And once you strip the weird and wacky out of it, the crux of it is a improvement on technology that can be used in actually useful devices. Okay, look, Brett, I can't show you how fantastic the, this product will be for certain people in certain situations. However, I do have a gut feel that it has its place. It's, it's no, nothing I more than a gut feel. I think pads will have their place. I don't think that place is on your thumb. Mm. I mean, because, it, hell, man, yeah. you'll be flicking that thing off all the time. Yeah, but symbols yeah. are designed to be on your thumb and they don't mm. stay on very well well that is true and anything that's going to stay on you know solidly enough for you to be able to do downward swipes and all those sorts of things and manual manipulation is either going to be uh, attached with some adhesive uh, or is going to be a glove like device in which case you would then have significantly better surfaces on the back of your wrist, you know, back of your palm to mount a touch surface. Oh, maybe. It's it's called Nalo, and you can view this at Nalo as an N-A-I-L-O dot media dot M-I-T dot E-D-U. Uh, I think it's silly. Okay, all right. Brett has silly, spoken. Man. You're going to get into situations where you go, oh, damn, I'm at that crucial point there. I'm going to need to, need to scroll soon to... F- add the next ingredient and then you go oh I'm hot and you're going to wipe your forehead and then you're going to look back at your recipe and your recipe is going to be added, telling you that for your vegetarian broth it is now time to grill your steak <laughs> so you've just scrolled an <laughs> to a different recipe yeah. by wiping your forehead uh, look I hear what you're saying but I, look <laughs> I, do, do you think you're just surely you're being overly pessimistic Brett no I think it's a silly really I think it is a silly idea for a form factor, what, not for a form factor, for a placement of the device. Okay. I cannot see any useful usage examples. All of their, all of their usage examples that they talk about in the story that talks about this thing, I can think of better ways of doing it or drawbacks which they have not considered. Or maybe they have, okay, so- they have talked about them in this. But the cool part about it, 
besides, you know, get away from the fact that it's a stupid thing that they've mounted on their thumbnail, is it is super cool miniaturization and utilization of a touch surface. Okay, so if you've been listening to this and think that you can do a much better job than I can of convincing Brett this is a a device that has a purpose and a, a good use Leave case. Leave a comment on the story. We'll exactly. look at the comments and in our next show, I will put as many holes in those <laughs> comments as I can. All right, there's a challenge for you. <laughs> Boysofchick.com under episode 328. Leave your comment there. All right, Brett, let's Unless, talk. Unless, of course, it's a really good idea, in which case, I hope you patent it. <laughs> All right, Brett, let's move right on and talk about why does Edward Snowden have a shop on the roof of the White House? Um, because nobody would think to look for him there. <laughs> Though we should broadcast it to Google. But, of course, that's not the case, is it? No, no. Apparently, what it's, it's a snowboarding shop that is supposed to be in Pennsylvania that has now been moved to Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> and it's called Edward's Snow, Snow Den. Den. <laughs> and someone- Obviously, it is a relatively new snowboarding shop, or it's a snowboarding shop that changed its name. <laughs> yeah, you've got to wonder. Or yeah. it is a massive, massive coincidence of hilariousness. Well, I think the the thing that's not a coincidence is the fact that it moved to the to the White House no. in Google. This <laughs> is in Google Maps, right? This is we're talking about Google Maps here. That. But so yeah, yeah that's that's Whether a rogue entry. Named before or after the you know the Edward Snowden revelations, <laughs> it was named after. Hilarious pun if it was named before spooky coincidence <laughs> yeah so brett is um has it been moved back or is it still the case have you checked i have not checked i shall quickly check right now i'll do the same i'll race you to it uh oh no i yeah i think it's gone well it wouldn't surprise me if it had gone <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at the white house yeah no it's it's been moved back or taken it you know, taken out. Yeah. It's yeah, not there that. is no dot there. No. I yeah. As soon as it was noticed, Google will have moved. Oh yeah, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> sometimes these companies can be pretty slow at doing even Google sometimes is slow at moving on certain things and they stick around for a while. So I just wondered. But yeah, no, it's gone now. But it was there for a while and if you had been browsing Google Maps or you heard the story, that's what it was about. That's the story behind it. A shop called Edwards Snow Den and that someone decided it'd be funny if they moved it in Google Maps to be on top of the White House. All right, Brett, that's the end of the international section. We do have one New Zealand story right after this. Don't go away. All right, welcome back. So on to the New Zealand section, and this story is about Global Mode. Now, Global Mode is a service that is offered by a handful of ISPs in New Zealand that make your internet connection look like it's coming from another country. Now, you can typically pick the country. A lot of people pick the US because it allows them to access services that are normally not available outside of the US. Now, a lot of customers of these ISPs, namely the large one, the two large ones, a Slingshot and Orcon, a lot of people were using that to get access to Netflix before Netflix was available in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And that kind of upset Spark, MediaWorks, Sky and TVNZ. And the reason it upset those content distributors is because they have purchased rights 
to distribute content in New Zealand. Some of those were exclusive rights and some of them not. But tens of thousands of New Zealanders who were using global mode were not viewing the content through those content distributors. They were viewing it directly, often through Netflix. And therefore, Spark, MediaWorks, Sky and TVNZ felt that they were missing out on business that should have been theirs. Because for those shows, they owned the distribution rights for New Zealand. So what they've done is they've sent out a warning to Slingshot and Orcon. They got together and they sent out a warning saying that they're breaching copyright and operating outside the law by providing customers access to content that would otherwise be blocked. And this goes back to the story that we talked about last week (laughs) when we talked about Netflix, that they are with, you know, both hands gripping as hard as possible onto an outdated, outmoded method of delivery and method of making money. There is no such thing as localization anymore. Everything is freaking global, people. You cannot have an exclusive distribution right here anymore across the internet. If it goes over the internet, anyone can access it anywhere at any time. Sure, terrestrial signals, satellite signals, they control those networks, but they don't control the internet. And so why should I have to pay for their service to stream media content when I could instead pay an international service that might provide me with a better service and get my content that way if I am streaming it over the internet? Sure, if I want to put a satellite dish up, then I have to use a local provider and I will pay their money for that. If I'm going to use the, you know, the, the regular broadcast signal that goes across, then sure, it's a local provider, local content is doing that. But if it's on the internet, the internet is a massive ocean, a global ocean of choice for me to go, which one of you thousands of content providers out there can provide me with the content I want at the rate I want with the quality and effectiveness that I want that is going to be best for me as the consumer, as the person paying money for this service, for that content. Look, it's you over there, Netflix in the US. You've got what I want to watch and I want to watch it right now. I'm going to sign up to you. Why should the person, the the satellite TV broadcaster in my country that I am not signed up to because I do not like their service, do not like what they provide to me, why should I have to sign up to them to get the content? Yeah, okay, so Brett, you're talking about an an ideal world and I agree. I'm not talking about in the ideal world, Edwin. I'm talking about in the real world right now, right this moment. Okay, if you want to talk about the real world right now, they do have rights to lock things down to certain countries because that's how they've written their contracts. But it's, black and it's white. outmoded, outdated, yeah, exactly. and it's Neanderthal. Ex- exactly. And so no in no way idea- should it stop me over streaming, being able to stream from freaking America if that is where I'm going to get my content from at a better price for me. And when I want to see it. Okay, but if you were like a, we if talked you, about listen, last if you were a week, company, I don't want to see a TV show six months after it has already been shown and all the spoilers have been out. And in fact, probably weeks after I could have bought the entire season collection DVD yeah, set I know that. from and America. You know what? We talked about that aspect of the story last week. I know. 
but the thing and it's it's no different this week. Well, what's yeah, but <laughs> all you, it now is is we've got these big people with a lot of money going. We've spent a lot of money invested into this incredibly old style way of managing content here in this country and we are going to make you pay New Zealand New Zealand if you want to watch Game of Thrones and you want to find out about it you have to sign up to yeah, but Brett, that's services, because that's what they all of our services if you want to watch actually good television shows because all of us have bid for one really good television show that makes you want to watch it so you have to sign up to all of our services because we are big companies and we do talk back doors behind each other and we go you know what we're not going to buy Game of Thrones you can buy Game of Thrones we're going to buy House of Cards they're going to buy this other thing that we want to watch and so that way New Zealand has to buy all of our subscription services yeah, Brett, so that's we all get a piece of this pie it's wrong. Bought. It's so if you're a company wrong. in New Zealand and you've bought that deal you want to enforce that you want to make sure you're getting what you've bought from the content providers then change your model the model doesn't work anymore but that's not a message for the content distributors at all. They're not the ones doing those deals. They're the ones signing to the deals, but they're not the ones offering those deals. It's the content providers. So what I'm saying is as a New Zealand company that has purchased the rights because that's the way the content provider wants to sell the content, they have a right to be upset that their right to show that show right in New Zealand is being circumvented. Are right now being bent over, pants down, and taken for a ride. Yeah, but that's not the content distributor's fault. It's not Sky TV. I really do not care. I care what affects me as the consumer. That was last and week's what story. Me as the consumer is these big guys up here want to stop me from being able to watch television that everybody else in the world gets to watch. Yeah, I know it's crazy, and that was last week's story. But what are we talking about here? Is we're talking about we're, the, we're talking the about comp- exactly the same story. We're talking no, about we're talking about the companies we're talking about these big businesses wanting to crack down and stop people. Being no, we're talking about the New Zealand and companies who purchased those rights to distribute it if here. If Call Plus does not argue the case that what the big companies are doing is, you know, it just does not work right now. This is not how the world works now. Change your ways. If they do not stand up for that, then global mode will disappear. There are tens of thousands of people using global mode. All those people will do is switch to VPNs provided overseas and still do exactly the same thing because Netflix does not care where you come from to watch it because Netflix is being paid regardless of where you watch it yeah, from. But they, they care the to- content providers that provided Netflix with those programs are being paid. So the whole ripple on down effect is still the people who provided and made the content are still being paid because you're paying Netflix. Yeah, but you're forgetting you the middleman. All you're, it is is Joe Bloggs over here sitting in New Zealand with his broadcast tower or his whatever is not being paid because nobody wants to watch it from him because he's outdated, slow, full of ads and wants to charge you five times what the price is. Yeah, but you see, with the, this is the thing though. There are companies like with lots of physical products that have the this, this similar model and yes, you can argue it suits it better. So Sig Segway, take, take for example, there's a company in New Zealand that has the distribution rights for Segway. They've purchased those rights. There's money exchanged. There's like, it's a yeah, deal. It's, but there is absolutely nothing to stop me going to Segway's site and buying one. Isn't there? I'll be- for most distributors, you can go direct, well, for, not distributors, for most 
producers of something, you can go directly to their website. And if they have a online shop, you can purchase it directly from them, bypassing any middleman who has distribution rights. Most cell phones are tied to different telco deals when they first come out, right? If you want to go into a store and buy it, you've got to sign up to blah many months with blah thing, right? We'll take the iPhone, for example. You had to sign up to one of the telcos to get an iPhone when it first came out. There was iPhone 1. Well, iPhone 6 even, any of them. But you could go directly to the Apple website and buy one, bypassing the people who have distribution rights. Yeah, but I think those product. aren't distribution rights. They're not exclusive distribution rights. That's just Vodafone and Telecom saying, we want to sell the iPhone in New Zealand. That's cool. That was not an exclusive deal. This is the difference. Uh, the iPhone 6 was an exclusive deal. The only places you could get it from were the telcos if but, you wanted to go to a physical place. Or, or online through Apple. Online. Well, you could get it from the telcos or you could get it directly from Apple, not connected to any telco. But it's, it wasn't an exclusive deal. They didn't say, we won't, we won't allow anyone else to sell it. And most distributors won't do that. Just like with Segway, I am pretty damn sure you could find another seller of Segway online and get them to deliver to New Zealand because there will not be an exclusive distribution. There are very few products that have exclusive distribution. And one of those is their stupid broadcast rights to content. Yeah, but Brett, surely, look, let's just take this bit by bit. Surely, do you agree that if there were to be such a deal, and I know, I agree with you. It's, I do it's not, not agree with the deal. So I know that. But if there were I to be such a deal, if there were to be such a deal, do you agree? In this situation, all that occurs to me is if there is such a biased, such a stupid situation scenario, I as a consumer would do my damned damnedest to find a way to work around it. But put yourself in telecom's shoes. I don't care about them. I don't care about But this their is what shoes. the story's about. If you were telecom and you paid however many millions of dollars to have exclusive well, then you rights. you shouldn't have paid however many millions of dollars for exclusive rights because we're living in the digital global age for crying out loud your child has a computer and that computer is connected to the world and if they want to watch play school from the US then they can watch it yeah but that's not the point the point is if they've paid for that shouldn't they have a right to have that honoured that's what it's about that's all it's about no (laughs) they should change with the times they should not who should, try to who deny should? Telecom somebody can't. They, they can't deny consumer service. They, they can't. But they're trying to deny consumer services. They're trying to say that because we live in New Zealand, we do not deserve to be able to watch anything that we want to watch from anywhere. They're, that's o- they're only doing because it's exclusive rights they've purchased. If they hadn't purchased exclusive rights, they may try – but I, I doubt they'd even try because they haven't purchased the exclusive rights. This is the that's this key whole to- idea of exclusive rights for local distribution is outdated and should be abolished. Okay, we've established that, and I agree with that. And the law, the freaking courts, should come down going, this model does not work in the global economy that exists right now and will exist continuing to broaden in the future. It cannot fit. It will not fit. It 
cannot exist. It is no longer a usable scenario. Look at yourselves, find a better way. It does not work anymore. I don't think many people would disagree with the fact that there are better ways of doing it, i.e. globally. But Indeed. You, you have- this is digital distribution for crying out loud. All they're going to do by attempting to shoehorn and build a wall around New Zealand so that New Zealanders cannot get access to content that some big telco has not bought rights to provide to us and decides that, oh, wait a minute, we can't provide you with this content right now because we're going to hold it back because we know you're going to want to watch it. But right now, we've also got this other show that we We've already bought rights to, and we want to show you that first and hold back this other one because if we show you them both at the same time, we're going to have shot our load and you're going to be have watched it all. And then next season, well, we haven't bought anything now for next season, and and so we're going to have nothing for you to watch, and so you're going to cancel your subscription. Well, that's, so that's all speculation. Show you little that's, bits. It, it, no, of it. it's speculation. Hello, Ed. You've been living in this country. How long do we have to wait to see most shows? No. How long do we have to wait to see most movies? It started to improve because they've realized that if they show us stuff too late, yeah, we do- will have already watched it, most probably illegally, um, <laughs> because we don't want to be left behind. Yeah, but look, it's, it's not the content. It is going to, in fact, increase piracy. Um, by blocking people from legitimate ways of watching content that we actually want to pay to watch, but we can't pay to watch it because we would have to pay exorbitant prices or wait ages. And so instead, we'll pirate it. Well, see, this issue is a business-to-business issue in itself. It's a business... Bollocks. It is. This it, is no, no, no. Telecom wanting telecom wanting Orcon issue. to get rid of global mode is a business to business issue. It's because Orcon are taking away business from Telecom Sky, TVNZ, etc. That is what that is what it's about. They don't want to. Yes. They don't want and to take it away from from. Consumer New Zealand users. Chief Executive Sue Chetwin said, and I quote, that this legal threat from the television companies is simply protectionism of an old content distribution models. While they may argue that this is not about taking action against consumers, it is a business-to-business thing, that was my addendum, uh, not about taking action against consumers, it is exactly consumers who will end up paying more because of this. Consumers will always look for the best deal, and if that isn't offered by a New Zealand company, then they shouldn't be stopped from looking overseas for a better deal. Well, to be honest, that decision is not up to her. It's not up to individuals. It's up to it's the up people to the who courts. own. No, it is up no, to no, no, the it, no. It's the people who own the rights. They choose what to do. If I've produced a song, I can choose when and where I sell it and how if I want to be restrictive in that way. That's my decision. Not Consumer New Zealand. Indeed. Not Sue Chitwin. Do you know what's going to happen? If you wrote that song, Ed, and it was actually a good song, and you said, you know what? I'm only going to let New Zealanders watch, listen to this music. I'm only going to distribute in New Zealand. I'm not going to distribute anywhere else, only in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. You know what will happen? It may get People pirated. in America will be listening to your song tomorrow. Yep. Absolutely. People in Europe will be yeah, listening but, to your song yeah, but, uh, look, In I, fact, people in countries all over the world will be listening to it 
at the moment that you release it. But Brett, you're, you're confusing two concepts. Boom, boom, stream it on the internet. You're confusing two concepts. One, you're confusing good ideas no, and bad ideas versus whether they have a I right to do it. I am the two together. I am going, you can say whatever you want for how you want to distribute your content, but as soon as it becomes digital, it becomes global. But you agree I have a right to distribute it in that way if I wish to. You have a right to think you can distribute it in that way. <laughs> you, as soon as you make it digital, Ed, it becomes everywhere. You yeah. have no control over digital. So you can either get with the program of how digital works and make money from it and enjoy the custom of people around the world or you can stick to an outdated model and shoot yourself in the foot because it will not yeah, work. Yeah, okay. I can, do, I can the stick to... The world does not work that sure. way in digitally, Edward. So I can, I can choose an outdated model if I want, but it also means that I have the right to shut down companies ah, that once circumvent again, Edward, that. you're going to have to be thinking local. Because you only have the right in New Zealand to shoot it down because you can't take legal proceedings against somebody else doing something. I know you can. You can. Only if it breaches international law. Correct. And And once again, most of the people who put things out digitally because somebody else is using an outdated model and is not providing consumers what they want, uh, uh, they don't care about the legal ramifications because it's called piracy. Yeah, but you're also forgetting the Boone Convention, so this is what I'm saying. Well, it doesn't matter, Edwin, because the pirates don't care. Brett, you and I both have the same understanding of how piracy works. We're not, we're not hey, disagreeing. And all we've been well, arguing about for however many minutes is that whatever the legal standing in the current scenario of the outdated model is, is irrelevant because it does not matter to the digital world. The thing I wish you could see, though, Brad, is that if, say, Spark have purchased a deal, they want to enforce that deal, their I rights know. to that. I, I can even understand if, even that. Even if they think but it's I, a silly way. I don't way. care about business. That's what you, what you are failing to see. I only care about the consumer. All right. I think we've done the story to well, death. <laughs> I, I don't know that we've but done any justice, but we've we done the story. The other thing we have not talked about with this, Edwin, is the fact that New Zealand content distributors provide less in what they distribute. They provide a significantly more limited service. Netflix provides full captioning on all of the content they distribute. Those same shows distributed from the people who have rights to distribute them in New Zealand None of them have captions. There is no full captioning. There is no audio descriptions. None of that is offered by New Zealand-based broadcasters. They're just distributors. Netflix and a lot of the other streaming companies, they have full captions. They provide audio descriptions. But who adds that in? Who who adds that in? Is that the content creators or is it the distributors that add that in? That is quite possibly the distributors that add that in or a third party that the distributors have hooked into. And the reason for this is there are significantly better protections around disabled access to content in America than there are in New Zealand. And so what these big companies are also doing is by disabling global mode, they are disabling the population of New Zealand who has disabilities with accessing content. Because right now, if you were a person with a hearing impairment or who was deaf, you could, through Netflix, still watch Game of Thrones. Whereas from a New Zealand content provider, you couldn't 
because it doesn't come captioned. Sure, but if you're breaking, so but if, becomes, if you're breaking the law, if this comes in. Yeah. It becomes a human rights case. Yeah, look, no. It, it becomes it, it, human rights discrimination. That's a long bow to draw. If you're breaking the law by breaking a contract to access closed captioning, that, that can't be a human rights case. It's a human rights case. No, they'd laugh, they'd laugh, they'd laugh at you and throw you, out, and throw you it out. It becomes a human rights case because suddenly your only point of getting that content is through an inaccessible provider. And so, so instead of being able to utilize another provider which provided that accessibility, you are then forced to only go through a provider who doesn't, which means the disability community can get up in arms and go, well, since you have now deemed by putting on your giant outdated dinosaur crown that we can only watch this content for you, you are discriminating against us because we cannot access the content that you are providing and you are preventing us from accessing that same content through a provider who can provide accessibility, we're going to take a human rights case against you so that you have to provide that content accessibly. Brett, if the only way of obtaining it's something is, is to do so by breaking the law by, in the, by virtue of breaking a contract... That does not con- constitute a waiver Actually, of that a law. There's a lot of stuff in the law about copyright that is specifically for people with disabilities that allow them to transcode and do things that would be considered against the law for everybody else. They have exceptions, a lot of exceptions. I would be surprised if those exceptions extend to you ticking a box saying, I agree that I am in the United States or a United States citizen, blah, 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 to a contract. I'd be very, very surprised if that's the case. Probably, but they've got a much better foot to stand on if they went to court to, if they were taken to court about it. Look, they I'll, could I'll say two things, Brett. Discrimination. I, I'll say two things. I do feel for these people. I genuinely do. But I also believe that if such a case was brought before the courts in the current scenario, it would get laughed out of court. Uh, no, it wouldn't because it would not be brought in as they've stopped us doing something illegal. It would be brought in as this content provider is the only way that we can access this content and they do not provide it in a man- in a accessible format. That is discrimination against us. That is how it would be presented. It would not be presented as they've stopped us using Netflix. It would be presented as they are not providing the content accessibly and we cannot, we cannot get accessible access to that content anywhere else. I- who would be the case? Who- the case would be against who, for example? The case would be against those content distributors. Which ones? Sky, uh, all of the people who took it out, TVNZ. Them. The, no, that's ludicrous. They're simply enforcing a right that they have. They don't have to, they're not forced to offer closed captioning. No. No one's forcing them to. And, but, Edwin, we're talking about untested ground here. All of this stuff is untested ground. There is no set laws that talk about any of this sort of stuff. There are agreements. There are kind of understandings. There are laws which focus on certain aspects of these different things. But none of this has ever been tested before because this situation, this scenario has never existed before now. It is how the world exists now. All of these things take cases to be put against things for laws to change and methods of delivery to adapt to them. 
there used to be nothing in the Copyright Act that gave exemptions for transcoding of material for people with vision impairments until stuff came in and cases were brought that showed that this was a necessity. And while right now it's against the law, we are in fact breaching human rights by making that a law, so we have to change the law around it. This is the sort of stuff that would happen if this sort of case came in, case against human rights discrimination against people with disabilities by these big companies that are only providing inaccessible content and are preventing accessible content from being accessed, the law would change to accommodate it because of cases would be brought and tested against. All right. Well, that, that remains how to be seen. Things change, Edward. That that remains to be seen. I I'm not so sure. The other thing I ask you is this: If Netflix in the US decide, okay, we're going to more strongly enforce, perhaps by pressure from the content providers, where our customers are coming from, and they cut off the dis, uh, disabled New Zealanders who have been using their service, what are they going? What are people going to do? Bring a case against Netflix US? Uh, if they were U.S. citizens, then yes, they would. I highly doubt it. Americans with Disabilities Act is very strong. All right, it remains to be seen, but I... I... The world has to change, Ed, and these companies need to change. Well, no, these companies have to change, Ed, to keep up with the way the world is changing. All right, well, let's bring it on. Let's see if this... If such a case will be brought. You cannot discriminate just because you're going, it's, well, we only provide it with spoken words, so we're only ever going to provide it with spoken words, and <laughs> they take a human rights case against you, and suddenly everybody in the world is looking at you, and you're going to have to go, well, nothing says we have to, but we're now going to provide captions because it's been an incredibly bad public relations disaster. Well, look, I think we've done the story pretty much to death. Um, <laughs> we're probably not going to get exactly the same viewpoint. I think well, what, we, what no, we do... we're going to get we to both the point agree that on it those. is a stupid, outdated thing, which yes, is a discriminatory practice if the content providers in New Zealand do not start providing accessible content they will be breaching the human rights of people with disabilities because well, see, that is, will be the only way that those people can get access to it then. And right now there's been no human rights cases taken against them because there are alternate methods of people getting access to that information and it's a lot easier to do that, even if it might technically be illegal because you're ticking a box saying that you are overseas uh, and you're not overseas. But people will be getting access to it that way so they won't have any reason to get up in arms about it. But if they have reason to get up in arms about it because people are preventing them from doing it, then human rights cases will come of it. I'm going to end the show. Providing. I'm going to end the show on what we both agree on. We both agree on regional distribution of digital content is not a very wise idea. So I'm going to end it there, Brent. I want to. I want to thank it you. It is outdated <laughs> and anti-consumer. I want to thank you. That I agree with as well. I want to also thank you very much. And anti-what? Anti-competitive. Yeah, it is to an extent. I agree with that as well. Let's leave it there. I want to thank you very much for co-hosting episode <laughs> 328, Brett. It's been a an interesting journey. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Um,
argumentative rambles. <laughs> oh, okay, well, let's uh, move on and uh, we'll, coherent we'll, we'll, <laughs> That's what makes a good show. We'll see you again. We'll see you <laughs> yeah, again next that's week. What makes a show? Impossible to understand. Oh well, yeah. But someone, <laughs> someone will have listened to the and end. And impossible for you to edit. Yeah, I know. Well, someone will have listened to the end, and here we are right now, and they're listening to us talking about them. And without further ado, I'm going to end the show right there. Brett, thank you very much. See you again next week. Till then, have yourselves a fantastic week. See you next time. Goodbye. Ciao.